This is Kyla. This is Jess. Welcome to Broads Abroad. We're two broads abroad. <laughs> this podcast talks about adapting and settling in abroad, health and wellness abroad, food and shopping abroad. Okay, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Let's talk about community, parenting, dating, travel, women and culture, women at work, women and leadership. Pretty much this podcast talks about everything you need to know about living abroad, staying abroad, surviving abroad, getting, getting abroad. abroad. <laughs> I think we're going to need wine. Definitely, definitely going to be. Oh, women and wine. Women and oh, wine. There you go. All right. Please join us for Broads Abroad. Can't wait. All right. We are live, ladies. We are live with episode six of the Broads Abroad podcast. And today we uh, have managed to bring three continents together uh, in a call. And so we have a guest from Asia, a guest from Europe, and a guest from North America. And uh, I'm going to give them all just a quick second to introduce themselves to you and tell you a little bit of uh, where they're from, who they are, what they do, and so on. So I'm Melissa, and I'm a 26-year-old, um, <clears throat> 26-year-old single young lady living in Milan. Um, I am a drama teacher at a bilingual elementary school, um, and I'm super happy to be here. Thanks, Melissa. Hi, I'm Karen. Um, I am considerably older than Melissa. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to divulge the exact age. Um, I am originally a lawyer from San Francisco, California, and my family and I moved abroad about um, five years ago, exactly. And right now, uh, my husband is a foreign service officer for the State Department. So we are currently back in the Washington, D.C. area, where he is doing language training because our next post is Croatia. And we're supposed oh. to move here this summer. <laughs> there. Wow, nice. Thank you, Karen. Uh, I'm Sally. I'm originally from England, but haven't really lived there for 20 odd years. I've been living in mostly Asia, where I teach art and design. I've got two daughters. I'm also considerably older than Melissa, and I'm also not going to tell you my age. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love that. Be proud of it. We, it comes after a while. <laughs> so let's just share a little bit um, about our last episode. Uh, Kyla and I had the chance to talk about the four stages of culture shock and just how that Kind of connects really well with the four stages of, of change or change in general and so um, we discussed the honeymoon phase um, that adjustment phase which has a component of anxiety um, and also how that leads to acceptance and so how all of those stages just kind of play off of each other and you move in and out of them but when you recognize them just kind of that idea of how powerful naming those stages can be and how it can connect to your experience and really help you move through all of them with success. So um, with that in mind, we wanted to bring uh, you together and just kind of listen to with some other perspectives around the world. So I'll just give it over to Kyla to start with our questions. Uh, so thinking about those stages and how we've kind of rolled through them uh, at various paces through any kind of like shocking or surprising or change related situation, um, I really want to start off by talking about where you were when the world shut down. Where were you the moment that happened? What did that look like? 
uh, what were your immediate choices and feelings in that first week? So I'll just start by uh, just really quickly saying what, where, where I was in that moment. Um, so for me here in Monterey, uh, my students had just been in Washington, D.C. for a week. So I had been doing a week without walls here in Monterey with a group of students that had stayed behind. And that weekend, I went to Mexico City to meet my mom and my aunt and came back to find out that my students had arrived back but were quarantining for a week. So my students went on quarantine for a whole week before uh, this all happened, before our school shut down. So I had already done about a week worth of distance learning and I could feel it coming. And my mom was still in Mexico City. She was flying to Monterey where she was supposed to send, spend two weeks with us. And um, that Thursday, I remember, I think that's when it was announced that it was a, pan a global pandemic. And that day, we were told to take things from our classroom that we probably wouldn't be coming back. And we had, a, we had a Friday back as teachers, but the students didn't go back. And so that weekend was really intense because we were trying to wrap our brain around the fact that school was closed um, and that our children, our own children, were going to be home with us and what, all that, what that all looked like. But also my mom was here. And my mom is in a uh, vulnerable category, um, just being, you know, in her 60s. And um, she has multiple sclerosis. And so we wanted to get her home as quickly as possible. And so it was a, lot, a whirlwind. Deciding, you know, first we changed her flight to be the next Tuesday, and then we changed her flight to be the next day. And so it was a really rushed farewell. Uh, not sure when we would see each other again. And, and now as we're rolling into summer, that's all kind of become more of a reality, but it was very rushed and very quick. So with that, those initial choices and thoughts that we had in the, the feeling, there was obviously an element of excitement, like, oh my God, school's shutting down. My kids were buzzing. They came home with all their stuff in their backpacks. Um, so I would equate that almost to like that little honeymoon buzz. But at the same time, it was instantaneous anxiety and big choices that needed to be made. So I want to open it up to the three of you and see what your uh, initial experience was when the world closed. It's, uh, it's funny that you said March 13th because we were probably about <laughs> five weeks into lockdown by that point. <laughs> we were away. I mean, I'm sure Sally and Chai, she was like already like set up her whole quarantine cove and all that <laughs> by that point. But um, we, I remember very clearly we were. Um, we have like a ski week holiday at the end of February. And uh, for teachers, we had, a, it's something we grumble about, but we had two days, like a Monday and Tuesday of PD, but the kids had the whole week off. So the Friday before, we all went to like our local neighborhood bar and like we're having some drinks and someone was on their phone going, hey, it looks like that whole crazy coronavirus thing that's happening in China. Like they've just confirmed a couple cases and they're like 40 kilometers south of us. Like we were all like, haha, funny. And then the bar covered up the corona labels on the beer just like as a joke. It was like very kind of like, haha, coronavirus. And we never saw each other again, basically. <laughs> so we went like out to have drinks and then they told us for the PD on Monday and Tuesday that we would be doing it virtually from home uh, and then the the week kind of after that they allowed us to come to and from school and it looked like that was like no one ever saw it as something that was gonna last this long so it kept being like oh for this week you kids will be home but you can come into school and work and use our internet and the printers and whatever and then overnight it was like we left on a Friday expecting to be able to go back into work on the Monday and we couldn't so I have chargers and all sorts of things that are left in the school and I don't know when I'll get them back so 
it's uh, it was it was pretty crazy. Um, as far as choices, like we did have the initial kind of, do we leave? Do we stay? Do we go? You know, do we go home? And um, you know, looking at the situation, my roommate is from Canada, so we were both kind of like, do we go back home? And uh, and it became very clear that once this became an issue that wasn't just Italy and China, it was like, okay, we might as well be where we are because I don't have health insurance in America. So that was the big thing was I was like, I need to stay. So, uh, and I cannot tell you how much I am glad I made that choice. It has been so much nicer being here. <laughs> nice. Thanks, Melissa. Karen, where were you? Well, um, we're, like I said, we're right outside of DC. So um, I was just in DC. And I think that I remember more the weeks leading up to it than the actual day that the world shut down. Um, I started noticing sort of like scarcity of toilet paper, um, people like people at Costco just grabbing like crazy numbers of cases of bottled water and and not putting two and two together in my mind like wait why do we what does this have to do with bottled water um anyway so i do remember sort of these signs that the apocalypse was coming but not necessarily understanding the full breadth of scope of what that would mean um i think that when school shut down uh i started having a feeling like oh wow this is uh this is no joke and i knew even though they said you know initially it was going to be for two weeks of course based on the news reports it became very clear quickly especially given our proximity to new york and um and just what was going on globally that it was going to be a lot longer and uh truthfully i think my first concern was just you know like how do you homeschool <laughs> what does that mean um how are we going to do that um and i think so i think that i was very focused on sort of the the sort of the ins and outs of what daily life would look like. Um, in addition, of course, like other people, um, you know, now my husband was going to be sort of teleworking or in his case, teletraining. <laughs> so that meant that we are in a sort of a corporate housing uh, situation right now, a two bedroom with no outdoor space um, with two kids in two different grades homeschooling and uh, my husband having to buy a card table so that he could do his language training from our bedroom um, with, you know, basically trying to shuffle around devices and figuring out how that was going to work with noise and, you know, getting done what everyone needed to get done. So, um, and then I, I would say my next thought was, oh my God, are we really going to be moving to Croatia this summer? What is this going to mean for our next post? Um, so, you know, just, just like everybody, I, I, and I, and I'll admit that one of my overarching feelings was relief that I was not in Azerbaijan. <laughs> um, and that was because we had just moved back to DC from Azerbaijan last summer and the healthcare system there is really poor. So, um, you know, even though of course here in the States we've had well-documented problems um, with lack of testing and people with health insurance, um, I, I really would not have wanted to get coronavirus or at least a situation where I needed to be hospitalized and have been there specifically. So I think that that's about it for me. Yeah, so uh, really for us, it started way back in January. Um, we, uh, our school was on uh, 
Chinese New Year holiday, really. There had been some kind of whisperings about an illness um, in China uh, with, uh, in a place called Wuhan that I hadn't actually heard of before. And it was two hours, it's two hours north, of, uh, sorry, south of Beijing. So we thought it'd be fine, we'll be fine. Um, and uh, the first, it really hit, we were actually on holiday in Cambodia um, for our Chinese New Year break. And we got a message from our head of school to say, we're going to extend the holiday by a week. So our initial um, reaction was, yes, <laughs> school. Uh, it's going to be great. We have an extra week. So we kind of just extended our trip in Cambodia for a little while. And then we were told, actually, no, don't come back until um, the 6th of February. Um, so we were okay. Our visa in Cambodia seemed okay. So we, we said we, we'd stay in Cambodia and we found a place to rent. Um, and then online learning started. So online learning started around the 4th of February. So we were on holiday. As tourists, we have iPads with us. And that's about it to wow. not only start teaching online, but also our two children start learning online. Wow. So that first week was incredibly stressful because not all platforms are great on iPads. So my husband, who is um, head of year four, was trying to organize his team at that time. His team was stretched all over the world. So he had himself in Cambodia. He had a member of staff in Beijing. He had staff in the UK. He had staff in Canada and Australia. So he was trying to coordinate his team with all of that time difference. Um, I had a little less stress because I teach art and design. Um, so the pressure was not so much on me. So I was trying to help the girls and it was just a struggle just to get everything started. Oh, and then, of course, our, yeah, well, and then our visa in Cambodia was up. Um, so we had to think, well, what are we going to do now? Strongly advised by our administration to not return to China. So we're just thinking, where can we go next? And we had friends in um, Hanoi who um, very kindly offered to have us for the weekend and find us somewhere to stay. So then we moved to Hanoi. And we, oh, excuse me, we could do 15 days there. Um, as British citizens without a visa and so we kept we stayed there for two weeks carried on with online learning and online teaching in a different apartment now uh, still with the same devices um, and we started to have a little bit of a panic because my eldest daughter um, is deaf and she has a cochlear implant and we were running short of batteries and we knew we had a supply of batteries at home and obviously being Hanoi it's not our home what are we going to do? So we talked to our administration again. Again, we're being told don't come back. So we found a little, well, Nick found a tiny little shop somewhere in Hanoi that sold the batteries and we managed to get them. But again, now our visa again is running out. So what are we going to do? Um, and so then um, we're also getting quite close to what would have been spring break for us. So we're end of February, uh, beginning of March now. And um, the school decided they were going to bring spring break a little bit earlier. Um, so we were able to rearrange our trip, which was now to Phuket, um, forward. So on a, you know, 
coronavirus tour of Southeast Asia, we then went to Phuket for two weeks. Um, still online learning, uh, still trying to just make do another apartment, same clothes, not my kitchen. Um, and then we were kind of uh, told by school, okay, I think, I think you can come back now. So we booked our flights right away. Um, and then the very next day we were told, actually, no, the Beijing government um, say, no, don't come back. But we were actually done. And we said, I don't care. I don't care what happens, you know, what's waiting for us. Because we had all these rumors about quarantine and facilities and tests and this, that and the other. And we were just, we're done. We need to go home. The girls needed their own beds. We needed device. We needed to do this properly. I mean, we'd already been doing it for, I don't know, eight or nine weeks by then. Um, so we flew back into Beijing actually on the 13th of March and we had to quarantine for two weeks in our own apartment, luckily, where there was a camera on the door. So we weren't allowed to leave. Wow. Food all had to be delivered. Um, and then, and that where we are. Wow, Sally. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's quite a journey, my goodness. No, and I mean, as I'm, as I'm listening to you, I mean, you've really uh, labeled um, the experiences that come with those four stages that we mentioned, you know, just, you, you just hit it right there when you mentioned about, you know, that extra week, you know, we hear, we hear about a crisis and we, the first thing we get is that extra week of holidays, that honeymoon, it sounds great at first and then what happens next. So, I mean, I think, um, uh, that, that that's how these, these reactions, um, happen is that we have these intense experiences and knowing where you are, in each stage can kind of give you that comfort of this is normal and this is part of the process. So, um, so I think that it's really valuable to mention, you know, how each of those really impacted what your next steps were and what your needs were as your family. Um, I'm going to ask Melissa, can you share um, your experience as well with those four stages? Um, so again, we're talking about that honeymoon, anxiety, adjustment, and acceptance. And you kind of alluded to it earlier when you mentioned like, you know, that party atmosphere still, people were excited. And then, you know, the jokes of the corona being covered, you know, as the title on the beer, you know, what, can you just give us an overview of, of, of how you've been moving through that and where you are right now? Yeah, so um, I would say at the beginning, there was definitely a sense of, like I said, we, we didn't really see it as being a thing that was long term. Um, so we definitely had kind of the fun staycation. We had made plans to go to Romania, but those plans got canceled because Romania was saying, if you're coming from Italy, you have to quarantine for two weeks. And we were only planning on going for four days. So we had canceled our holiday. And so we decided to make like a fun staycation here. So my roommate and I, we did like drunk Bob Ross painting at home and like all sorts of fun activities. And that carried on for the first couple of weeks or so. Um, and uh, so I'm really lucky that I live in an apartment complex with six other teachers from my school. So um, there's six other foreign teachers and one of them is one of our heads of school. So it works out really well that if we have distance learning issues, with actual teaching, we have an admin in the building and he's very cool about us like knocking on the door and being like, help. So he's, 
he's great. And so we kind of decided, made like a decision early on to quarantine with each other, kind of. Like we all live in different apartments, but we all get together and see each other. So it was kind of the seven of us who um, became this little gang. So that honeymoon phase has sort of lasted. It's definitely become like less exciting but we still get together and we we do things we give our we normally have an event like once a week that we try to like do something like i'm gonna make muffins and everyone can come over and eat those muffins like just little things to get together um but there was definitely i would say around the time that it started becoming very serious in north america and we saw the reality of us not seeing our kids through the end of the school year and uh, so all this was happening around Easter holiday, I would say, was when we really, like, there was definitely a downturn and there was lots of, like, crying and, like, being really, like, just stressed because we didn't know, we just had no certainty. We we didn't know. And, and the Italian government was being great because they were really relying on the actual data and they were like, it takes two weeks to catch, like, to show symptoms often of coronavirus. So they kept kind of waiting and just kind of inching forward and giving us updates like one week at a time. So we're sitting there waiting, like, will we have an end of the school year? You know, they didn't even announce that we weren't getting an end of the school year till a couple weeks ago. So we just kept, and I think that anxiety part was really hard, just having zero certainty at all and not, and, and having the people that you normally look to for answers, like our admin, or government leaders not really knowing much more than you do. So that was really hard. Um, and I think that uh, eventually we got used to that pattern of like, okay, like there's no point in asking them because they don't know anything more than we know. And so that adjustment um, definitely helped. Um, and, uh, and then I think like, you know, my roommate and I, obviously, like, we're just both teacher, you know, international schools, sometimes they just put two teachers together to live in an apartment. And all of a sudden, it's like 14 weeks with someone you met in September. <laughs> and, uh, and we've done really, really well at being, uh, at being, it's like, we talk about it all the time, how it's like a miracle that we like got, like, it just worked out really, really well. And we've set some clear kind of like, parameters of like okay this is a time where I do this and you don't bother me we have code words for when we're like feeling it and we don't need to be around each other we we have a lot of um systems that we started putting into place and now it kind of feels like I mean things are starting to reopen here in Italy and it and it feels so it feels so great obviously but it also feels like you know we we really did find a way in that new normal um, and it's kind of going back to things. It's like, oh yeah, we can go outside. Like, so, <laughs> so it sounds like you've had the whole gamut. <laughs> oh yeah, it's wow. been like the you're, full, you're like, <laughs> the full cycle. Yeah, you're you're almost ready to move right through to acceptance and like move on. That that's a, that's amazing. But I think part of it, as you mentioned, just going through it for a longer period of time. That's kind of how it is. And and just that attitude piece, just having that positivity as you move through it and the support. Um, well, there's so much to be grateful for. Exactly. I mean, the fact that I'm employed, I have a roof over my head, I have so many friends. Being a young twenty-something, I have so many friends that are just like finishing school with a big pile of debt and have no job and now they're like sitting in quarantine so I'm just so grateful that I am where I am and there's really not a lot I mean okay I can't go outside but the rest of the world can't either so I don't really feel like I have a lot to be sorry for yeah absolutely <laughs> 
Absolutely. And what about for you, Karen? What step um, do you feel you're at or what was your um, you know, journey in that, those, those four stages? Well, I think I've actually been cycling through them over and over again. I don't know that it's been <laughs> static for me. Um, but I would say that like Melissa, um, you know, I feel very, very grateful. Um, I do have a, a very good friend who lives in Milan, an expat who's been there for about 20 years. And I also knew someone who was working at the U.S. Embassy in Wuhan. So I think very early on, I saw sort of the chaos that people were going, you know, sort of what we might be in for early on. Um, and so on the one hand, I was, you know, there were I don't know. I think part of it was like letting go or redefining our expectations, pivoting, which I think as expats, um, we are very good at actually. So in some ways, I almost feel like, uh, you know, Sally's situation aside, because that sounded, wow, incredibly chaotic. <laughs> um, but I think that in some ways, we are used to disruption in our lives. And so are our kids, probably more than most. Um, you know, they've had to pick up and move some of them. Uh, they've had to leave friends. They've had to not see people for a while. They've had to start over. And um, and in some ways, they're used to just sort of being stuck with their family unit in a way that um, maybe you wouldn't if you just grew up in a quote-unquote normal <laughs> uh, environment. So in some ways, I felt like we were better suited to dealing with this crisis than others. Um, but I, you know, but like everybody else, I've had the days where I really want to social distance from my family. <laughs> and, uh, and I've had to go do that and just take a walk before I said something I was going to deeply regret um and i've skills, you know skills right 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 uh so it's been a, you know a lot of growth a lot of like biting your tongue or feeling you know compassionate when you normally you know when you want to do something different when you feel something different um and you know just yeah i think we kind of have gotten into a groove and i think part of that was also uh you know, the online learning thing really stressed me out, like the kids homeschool, and I'll explain why it wasn't just, um, it wasn't just sort of the normal, like, how do I homeschool? I think one of the issues for us specifically, was that our school district decided not to continue teaching learn uh, new material through the rest of the year. So starting in March, they made a decision as a district, um, that they were going to just not assign any new learning for the fourth quarter mm -hmm. of the year. Um, in a normal situation, if we were staying in the D.C. area next year, that I guess wouldn't pose much of a problem. My kids are just in second and third grade. Um, but in my mind, I'm thinking, wait, we're moving to Croatia and the American school in, in Zagreb is continuing to uh, teach new material through the end of the year. So one of my concerns as a parent um, was just, okay, how do I get my kids to where they need to be for next year? Um, because I have zero teaching skills. But again, I guess, you know, we were very, very lucky because it's like if this pandemic had to happen in this way, just from a learning perspective, mm -hmm. I, I was so, so fortunate. I mean, the idea that we have a Khan Academy, that there's all these online learning platforms, many of which are free, I, I felt so blessed, you know, that in a way that I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, but those those were sort of the concerns. I think a lot of it was just the kids. Um, mm -hmm. And I also, 
you know, was lucky, I guess lucky, you know, the the curse became a blessing. I wasn't working this year. Um, I did not have a job for the year that we were back in DC. Uh, so I am not juggling the my own job with having to homeschool kids, which most of my friends are doing. And that's a challenge I didn't have to deal with, um, which for which I'm grateful. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think just having the same ups and downs as everybody else. But again, it's not, I, I think overall, we've kind of gotten to a decent place. Um, you know, we've gotten to a, a rhythm, our new normal. And there's a lot more screen time than I want in our house. Um, <laughs> but I'm also just realizing, you know what, you gotta, this is a crazy time and your expectations are just going to be different. And that's mm-hmm. okay. You know, be kind to yourself and others. No, for sure. And it is what it is, right? We need yeah. to just kind of, you know, move through those and, and, and play in the area of acceptance until it becomes a reality. <laughs> right, exactly. For sure. And Sally, would you say that that's where you are now? Are you getting to maybe, um, I mean, you mentioned uh, uh, earlier a little bit about how there were challenges, but now would you say that you were in the adaptation stage still? Um, where would you say you're at? Um. I, I think I'm moving towards acceptance, actually, purely because all of the traveling around and not knowing where we were going to be from week to week and what was happening. Could we go back? Can't we go back? I just found that really, it just made me really anxious. It, I didn't realize I was so much of a control freak, actually, that um, the not knowing what was going to happen was literally driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, even though I was potentially coming back to a situation where it was going to be worse because I was going to have less freedom, um, I actually felt much more relaxed being back here. And yes, the quarantine, the, actually the quarantine wasn't too bad. Um, and now, you know, um, I, I go back, I work in my classroom every day now. Our year 10s are back. Our key stage three are coming back on the 8th of June. Um, my, uh, my kids will be back in school before this year is out. So, you know, we're week 16 now of online learning. I feel like we got it, you know, and um, we resigned to the fact that this summer is going to be a summer in China. And we've been really lucky that we've been managed to rearrange our European tour this summer <laughs> to next summer. Um, and so hopefully, you know, we're just looking forward to having some uh, relaxed times and maybe exploring um, a bit more of Beijing. Um, we can go out to coffee shops now. We can meet friends. We can go out for dinner. Places like um, cinemas and things like that aren't open yet, but malls are, parks are. Wow. So, so there's hope for the rest we have of to us wear masks. this many weeks. Behind. Yeah, we're, we're just like, you know, two months ahead of you all. Oh, well, that is a little bit hopeful. Um, and yeah, thank you, Sally and Karen and Melissa for sharing kind of where you're at in those phases. And Sally's already sort of touching now on um, where we want to go with this next as we see that everyone is sort of rolling through different phases. And it's interesting because we roll through these phases at our own pace, naturally. But also, the world itself and the sheer distance has put us all at very different stages as well. As Sally said, being a couple months ahead, 
um, and Melissa's about a month ahead and then we're all sort of uh, where, where we are. And so we're all at different parts of this, but at the same time, we roll through those phases differently. You know, Karen, you said you were cycling through that a little bit, which I think is, is so normal going through that all the time. Melissa, you're so super positive that I imagine you kind of like the, the baking thing. And I've even seen you posting things about making painting classes with your roommate and like amazing <laughs> things. And I think that um, you probably really hovered in that adjusting phase really nicely for a long time. And so it's just interesting to see us all there. I feel like I'm not quite yet at acceptance, still trying to figure out uh, what summer might look like. And this brings me to the next question is what the year ahead is going to look like. Um, you know, we're still have, we have so many question marks, even about summer day by day, uh, and we're driving distance to Canada. So we're still on the fence about that. Um, at the same time, we just feel like staying put and staying safe is good, but then we've got opportunities to do that and social isolate in Canada as well. Um, so those big questions, but then it leads to the questions of the year ahead. You know, what does that look like? So I want to open it up to that question. What does the year ahead look like for you guys in this new normal or as this new normal changes all the time even? Um, yeah, so for, for me, for this summer, so we are kind of waiting the EU. So because the EU is kind of like the US in the sense where like you can travel between the countries in the EU pretty easily. So um, we're waiting to hear, uh, Italy has opened themselves up to the EU, uh, or starting on June 3rd. They're saying anyone in the EU can travel to Italy because they're really trying to jumpstart tourism because obviously we've taken a huge hit in that department and probably will for a while. Um, but the, uh, but on June 15th, the EU as a whole will decide if the rest of the world is welcome in the EU. So that, um, that makes a difference for us because, Currently, the only people allowed in Italy are people who are EU citizens or EU citizen or EU citizens with a work permit or Italian citizens. So right now, if I were to leave the country, I couldn't come back. So we have quite a few teachers that can't come back as of right now. So we're hoping that when June 15th rolls around, they'll say, yes, anyone can travel in and out of the EU, which means that then I will be able to go somewhere and come back to work in the fall. Um, my parents uh, are a State Department, so uh, they are also moving this summer, just like uh, Karen. Uh, so I am hoping that by the time they get the go-ahead to, to move abroad, I will get the go-ahead to leave Italy and I'll be able to see them because I made the financial decision to not see my family at Christmas and stay here. So I haven't seen my parents in over a year. So I really would like to see them. Um, so that is kind of my big hope for, um, for the summer. As far as next year, they've already been talking about um, kind of how reopening's gonna look like in, uh, in September. Uh, there's going to, there's talk of potentially like shifts, like kids come in the morning and some kids come in the afternoon and when they're not there, they do asynchronous learning. And it, I mean, either way, it's going to look really different. They're talking about moving me to a theater off campus because they need my classroom to social distance the actual classes. So there's lots of talk of different things um, and I don't think we'll know anything for sure. I'm also the new teacher coordinator for next year. So we have seven new teachers coming in. Um, despite all of this, they're like, sure, let me go to Milan. So, uh, so I'm in charge of making them feel comfortable and welcome coming in. But uh, like I said, everyone's looking to the next person for answers and not, we, 
we don't have a lot of them to go around. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But I do know for sure I'll be living in the same place with my same roommate and I will still be teaching drama to children. So <laughs> I'm just trying to cling to those certainties for now because there's not a whole lot else um, that we know for sure. Um, yeah. That's well, great. that's really interesting. Melissa, I, live, I like the cling to certainties and that sort of even touches on what you said about just being so grateful that you have a job and a roof over your mm -hmm. head and that you're in a, you know, a space where you're comfortable. Um, and Melissa, just, just hearing you talk about your parents, um, before we move into uh, Karen's year ahead, which is I, I, going to be very interesting, I'm sure. Um, it's interesting, Melissa sort of epitomizes that international woman abroad because Melissa moved abroad in high school and um, oh no I moved abroad when I was two. <laughs> oh my goodness okay well I met I met Melissa abroad in high when she was in high school she was actually in our school yeah. in Seoul Korea and um and her parents were there and since then now you've really maintained this life abroad that you had grown up with and your parents are still abroad and you guys are in different places so it just adds such an interesting dynamic and I think that's so true to a lot of our stories um that you become very comfortable in that lifestyle when you've led it for a while. And Karen, you and I will obviously see that our kids will probably end up, you know, being drawn to that life as well. And Sally as well. Um, it's just interesting to hear you say that. And also, like you said, missing Christmas with your parents when you're your age is a huge deal. And so it was my first time. Every age. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Every age. <laughs> and my, uh, and my, my family, like this year marks the year that I've officially lived abroad more than I've lived in America. Wow. Um, so uh, it was because it was kind of like two, three years on, two, three years off growing up as a kid. And then now this is my fourth year going into my fifth year teaching abroad as well. And so there's, uh, but it's interesting because my brother has stayed in the same place since he graduated high school. He has not moved. Right. <laughs> he is in and California. They... He is like set there. I mean, his his girlfriend is foreign and he like travels to Singapore to like go visit her family, but he stayed in California and doesn't really plan on going anywhere else for now. So it's well, kind of interesting. <laughs> they do talk a little bit about like with third culture kids, like it's often that you, you become kind of one or the other, you and your brother are perfect examples of like really wanting a sense of home and roots or having this sort of global free spirit. So it's interesting you and your brother are kind of both of those. Um, so Karen, What's up with you this year ahead? <laughs> well, uh, like I said, we are supposed to move to Zagreb, Croatia for three years, and um, our scheduled date of departure is around July 25th. Um, Croatia is in very good shape in terms of the coronavirus. Uh, from what I understand, it has one of the lowest infection rates in Europe, and the government has done a good job of um, implementing you know, testing and treatment social distancing. So they really got it under control. So I think from the perspective of our ongoing assignment, um, there's not a real safety concern there. Um, I guess the issue is that the State Department, and this may affect Melissa's family as well, I'm sure, um, they have put a freeze on all international moves. Right now it's until June 30th. Um, so, you know, if all goes well, that doesn't affect our move. Uh, and the question is, do different regions of the world get treated differently? Do they extend it for certain parts of the world, depending on where you're going? Um, that remains up in the air. So, um, you know, right now, I think they're working with sort of a multi-stage system to figure out sort of post by post uh, how safe, 
your ongoing assignment is? Do you have good access to food and medical care? You know, how's transportation in and out? All of those kinds of things. Um, but we, you know, are hoping sort of knock on wood that um, that we don't that we're able to go somewhat, you know, on time. Um, you know, I'm frankly looking forward to a change of scenery <laughs> at this point. Um, you know, after several months of being stuck in a two-bedroom apartment in Arlington, Croatia sounding really good right now. Croatia is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it is. I love it. So, um, you know, so that I guess you know we'll see. I, I'm assuming because it's you know again a much smaller country. Um, less dense, even within Zagreb, that um, there will be, you know, there's already more freedom of movement there than there is here in the D.C. area. Um, and, you know, hopefully they continue to keep the numbers low. And, you know, I guess we'll find out what the new normal is. But that's our hope is that we end up getting there. Uh, in terms of, it's kind of interesting how different places are handling the next year school. Um, you know, we just, we, we're assuming that the kids will go back to school in person in some capacity. They've already reopened schools there uh, first through, I guess, kindergarten through fourth grade in Zagreb is now open, but not the international school. So they're sort of taking baby steps. We don't know what's going to happen in the fall. Um, but, you know, so I guess worst case scenario is our kids continue to do online learning, which is now we're, we, we know what that's all about. So no great shakes. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do in, uh, you know, here in the States. And again, it's sort of a, a state by state issue. I know here in Arlington, they've canceled all summer camps. Um, they, you know, my daughter was supposed to go to sleepaway camp. That's canceled. Uh, all the day camps locally have been canceled. Uh, next year, it's definitely they, the district has sent out, um, you know, an email saying that it's looking likely that uh, there there will be at least some component of online learning for next year. If not 100% online learning, definitely that'll be some component. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we're not we're not sure what the future holds. Uh, you know, just sort of here in this area. But for us, hopefully, we'll be in Croatia and um, experiencing. Uh, a new normal in a different place. <laughs> wow. wow. In Croatia, they do TV school. Have you heard about this? The TV no. School? So because, Cro <laughs> because Croatia has been through so many wars, they had like a, one of our teachers is in Croatia right now. And oh, wow. she said that every day they have like first grade at 10 o'clock and second grade at 11 o'clock. And they like go and they do all the subjects for that grade level televised. So all the kids in Croatia just like tune in for their grade level TV mm -hmm. lesson. And she said that wow. it's been that way since the war, like they have it ready to go. So they, they just pop that on. Yeah, they have that in Mexico as well for the uh, public system. So I think that's so valuable, especially for schools that might not have the infrastructure to go uh, full distance and aren't set up for that. It's great that kids have that access. So Karen, at the very least, you can just tune in to your <laughs> local on the TV. TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good to know. Well, thank you for that. And Sally, how about you in Beijing? Well, I guess really for us, we've got to see how the next couple of weeks goes with our students returning to school. So we're going to be we doing this kind of hybrid thing where we have so many kids in school, socially distanced. We do online learning for the kids that are in China, but whose parents are not comfortable with them returning to school. And all of the kids that are dispersed 
around the world because you know China's borders are closed. So I cannot, if I leave, I can't come back again. Wow. Um, and also China has a very strict uh, quarantine policy in place. Even if, if I leave Beijing, I will have to quarantine again mm-hmm. currently. Wow. Uh, but things are changing here, it feels like daily. So who knows? Um, again, we have a bunch of new staff who are due to join us in August. And right now they can't even get their visa because the visa office in the UK is not open, you know, and it's going through lots of complicated things like that. Um, So I'm unsure. I think school will open in August uh, for sure. What it will look like, who knows? Uh, We potentially will lose staff because the staff that we currently have in Beijing to reopen with in two weeks, they are not all staying for the next school year. So they will leave. So we are potentially looking at the idea of reopening in August with less staff than we have now. Currently, we have about a third of our overseas hired staff in Beijing. So we're all juggling. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to juggle for a while. Wow, that's a good point. Yeah. And you it's know, the same here. Yeah, you, I mean, we're hearing these kind of um, similarities across, you know, the continents about um, that uncertainty. But also, what I hear from all three of you is that sense of hope. I mean, you're still making plans. That's a good thing. <laughs> and that kind of leads us into our final question um, of, that we want to discuss with you and and get your feedback on is um, now that we we're at different stages in in you know, in, in this change piece and that we're in um, different experiences and just trying to move through each of those stages. Um, as you're looking through the year ahead and thinking about how this all connects, uh, what would be a word of advice or a, or a phrase of advice that you could give um, to all of us, especially to women working and living abroad as you are, um, that would uh, help us you know, kind of uh, continue to move through this in the best way we can. I was thinking about this question um, and I think that probably the biggest thing I would say as far as advice is to just really put in the work to safeguard your relationships. Uh, Like Karen was talking about when she has to take a walk because she doesn't want to say something that will go south quickly. It's really important to put, you know, even when you think, starting in this early thinking, wow, I have such a great friendship with that person. I have such a good working relationship with this colleague. I have such a great relationship with my partner. Still play it out in your head, like what could go wrong and put those systems in place early to know what is going to happen if I start bawling in the middle of the living room? What do I want you to do as my roommate? What do I want you to do as my partner? What if I I'm having a bad day as a colleague, like how can we communicate that to each other so you know that if I say something in a planning meeting, I don't mean it. You know, like having setting all that stuff up in advance is so important because I think it's helped so many of my relationships survive. Mm-hmm. Um, setting up standing Zoom meetings to keep in touch with people that I value their relationship with setting aside time. I have my PYP coordinator, like my curriculum coordinator, I'm really close with. 
but so we're friends, but he's also like my boss. So he has times where he's like, he's like this channel of communication, we can talk about work. This channel of communication, you cannot talk to me about work. So it's like, I have my like, I'm sending him sad memes because it's quarantine. I send those through Instagram or WhatsApp. And then for work stuff, it's all on Gmail. So I, I we set up these things so we don't get into tricky territory later. Mm -hmm. I like that, safeguard your relationships. And I think setting up those systems in place ahead of time is really smart, Melissa. Thank you, Karen. Well, I think Melissa really nailed it, honestly. Um, I think that having, I think maybe having moved abroad and having to sort of recreate a life somewhere else gives you maybe that skill set in a way. Um, You probably make more intense, closer friendships faster than you do if you kind of grow up and live in one place. At least that's my experience. Um, So in a way, I found that, you know, take advantage of that community and reach out when you need to and vent because, you know, nine times out of 10, people are going through the same feelings as you are. Um, I think one, you know, sometimes we're afraid to kind of admit that we're feeling a certain way or, you know, that we're not doing crafts with our kids nine hours a day and, you know, we're not Pinterest moms or um, we're not happy all the time. And I think it's just so great to share that feeling and, um, you know, with others because they appreciate it. That's what I found in my life. Um, Also, I have this little trick that um, a therapist friend told me, which is every time someone's driving you crazy, think of three things that you really value about that person to kind of switch, have your mind sort of pivot. And that includes, you know, people in your family. It's like your, you know, your kid's having a tantrum. Gosh, look how creative she is. Look how she's able to, um, you know, she's so imaginative, like whatever it is, just sort of pivot in your mind from that moment of annoyance to three characteristics that you really love. And that could be, you know, your parents, your partner, your kids, your friends, because you're perfect. And, and again, it's a matter of just cherishing those relationships, knowing when you need to take a break, but also reaching out and being honest with people, I'd say. And uh, thank you, Karen and Sally. Um, I think mine would be choose your battles. You can't, you can't fix everything right now. I mean, you're, you're, you've got your job, you've, you're being mom, you're now a teacher, nurse, cleaner, ironer, laundry, you know. You can't, something's got to give right now. And, you know, so what if your kid's been playing Minecraft for the last two hours? You've just got to um, take a, a minute for yourself but choose your battles. You yeah. know, is it really important that they pick their socks up right now? <laughs> or should we just chill out and do something together because you know it's gonna bring a more positive vibe in the atmosphere? Mm-hmm. Yeah, choose your battles. I like that, Sally. And, and what's, what's, it, what's funny is, is as you say that, and, and I, I love hearing you say that, it's funny because Karen said, we're not all Pinterest moms, but the reality is, uh, Sally is actually a little bit of a Pinterest mom. So I love that <laughs> among the juggle, and I, I know like there is that, that matter of we all have our fortes, we all have our strengths, we all have our areas of like crafts make me crazy, literally completely nuts. And so to, to do that with my kids might be like one craft a week, but then I'm cooking more with them. You know, we find those areas of strength that we have 
and as well with our students you if you're super uh, tech technologically inclined and you're a leader in that area then you're helping your colleagues and then others might be struggling in a different area and so playing off each other's strengths uh, safeguarding those relationships, choosing your battles, um, remembering what it is that you love about people, uh, those three things in those moments. Absolutely. I love all those pieces. Um, and you guys are all amazing for being parents during this time. <laughs> like I can barely take care of myself. Like I am really floored when I watch, like when I hear about what you guys are doing with your kids, I'm like, wow, like yeah, that's it, amazing. It, it, does add an, it does add another element of, uh, to the juggle, but I think that there's also, um, I think everybody's position and story and stage is, is so unique and so different and everybody's challenges and struggles like I also find a huge comfort in having my kids with me and so there's the you know the give and the take uh yeah my life is a little bit chaotic and messy um but at the same time there's something that makes me feel very calm and safe here when I put them to sleep at night after the whirlwind and then I look at them sleeping in there I'm like okay I can stay here I'm not in any rush um mm -hmm. and and so the the piece of advice I think I would bring into it, and I think I may have brought this into an earlier episode as well but I still like cling to it I just think flexibility having an open mind and I think that's in general when you move overseas or you start a new job uh or you go through a major crisis is just being flexible and open to whatever comes your way you know like being prepared for that and approaching it with flexibility and an open mind so um, I really appreciate your guys' words of wisdom there. Thank you. And I also think too, as, as I'm listening to all, um, all of our different stories and perspectives, I'm thinking about that common theme of recognizing needs and giving in when you need them without guilt. And it kind of ties in that flexibility piece that, that Kyla just mentioned and just all of these stories of, of, of not giving up that sense of hope what makes us human and that we're all connected through um through this um this pandemic but more so it brings out such positive qualities in all of us if we choose to see that side of it and so i think that part's really important this is the first time that we've ever had to experience everything in one modality we've never had to experience um you know uh, entertainment connection with friends and work in the same modality and it's challenging there's no formula for it there's just these opportunities to share stories as we listen to each other um, successes and challenges and how we've overcome them in all these different stages of, of this pandemic and not only the pandemic but just the stages of change which is what living abroad is all about so we thank each of you for your time today thank you Melissa thank you Karen thank you Sally you made such great efforts that we appreciate with different time zone changes and um, we really enjoyed uh, this episode and thank you so much for wrapping up our episode six of Broads Abroad.